Good morning. It's good to see you guys. You guys look wonderful. You look absolutely wonderful. Lord, we just thank you for loving us enough to give your son Jesus Christ to die in our place on the cross. We thank you for that. We thank you that his resurrection from the dead validated what he did on the cross and that we can be absolutely sure today that there's forgiveness available to us. We thank you for that, Lord. We ask that you'd speak to us as we speak about these things. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that I have to do as a pastor is funerals. I don't really enjoy it, especially when it's a friend of mine. And I did a funeral for a friend of mine yesterday. She was a beautiful woman. She got cancer recently, and she went quickly. She left behind a great husband and three teenage girls. And as we said goodbye to her yesterday, cried and wept together over her and her death, we were strangely and profoundly comforted by the fact that Easter was coming. Because at Easter, we remember that Jesus defeated death. What Easter means is that death does not have the final word. Jesus' resurrection is his no to death as being final. And it is his yes to ultimate life being offered to all of humanity. And so when we, when we thought about that yesterday, we were comforted in that fact. When you came in, we handed you a card with scripture on it. I'll just give you a little background of that. That's a, a picture of death there. Okay, Jesus is already on the cross by this time. He's crucified between two common criminals. He's been there for some time suffering for me, for my sins, for you, your sins, for the sins of the world. He's there in a public place. He's been scourged, mocked, spit upon, beaten, the crown of thorns pressed into his head. He's naked, exposed, suffering on the cross. And there are these two criminals, one on each side. And in our text from Luke 23, starting in verse 39, it says, one of the criminals hanging beside Jesus scoffed and said, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested and said, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? Both of them had a death sentence. Verse 41, the second criminal says, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man referring to Jesus has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. So if you're going to do it, do it. So here's, here's, here's Christ, the, the Messiah, the, the Savior of the world, 
hanging, bloody and beaten between two common criminals. And the cry from the first is, save yourself. If you're really the Messiah, save yourself. Prove it. And what we all understand is that Jesus certainly could have done that. I mean, by this time, Jesus had already walked on water. Jesus had already rose people from the dead. He'd caused the crippled to walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear. And we know, because we're here celebrating it, that he himself would rise from the dead. So certainly, had Jesus wanted to, he could have saved himself. But you see, there was a fundamental, fundamental misunderstanding of what Jesus came to do by that first criminal. Jesus didn't come to save himself. Jesus came to give himself. He came to give himself to pay the debt that we owed to God for our sins. And, and the reason that this is even possible, the reason that this even came into existence is because of God's crazy love for you. God's crazy love for me. Because God loves us so much, he wasn't willing to tolerate any separation between us and him. And the bad news is that sin separates us from God. It just does. And here's why that's destructive in humanity. Because we were created to know and enjoy God. We were made for that purpose. And, and sin separates us from God. So then there is this screaming void of joy in our lives. No, no matter how we try to fill it up, no matter how many things we accumulate, no matter how many experiences we have, there is this resounding emptiness in us because we're separated from God. Jesus came to bridge the gap. He didn't come to save himself. He came to give himself that we might be saved and reconciled to God through his paying the price for our sins on the cross. That is why Jesus came. And so because of the love of God, he refused to save himself. And so we have these two criminals hanging there. They were both sentenced to death. For these men, there was nothing in front of them but despair. Nothing in front of them but despair. Some of you may come to this day. Everybody is on their deathbed sooner or later. And for these men, there was nothing but despair. And it's interesting that they're called criminals because you know that the Bible labels all of us criminals? But the Bible says it this way, we're all sinners. We've all sinned against God and failed to meet his standard. Not everybody realizes that. Before I was born, my mom was arrested for smuggling drugs from Mexico to Summerlin. There's a lot of drugs. And my mom went to prison. And when she was there in prison, some young Christian ladies came in and they were sharing the same sort of thing I'm sharing with you today, the good news about Jesus Christ giving his life to pay the price for our sins. And as they were sharing this with my mom, on the other side of the bars from her, my mom heard what they were saying. But then she said to the young ladies, oh, but I'm not a sinner. And the young ladies just kind of looked at her and looked at her prison dress and the bars between them. And, and it suddenly dawned on my mom that day. 
For some of you, today's your day. For it to dawn on you that part of the way that you've been living is an offense against God. And how God responds to that is with love in giving His Son, Jesus Christ, to deal with your offense, to pay your price. And so now there's two things that you could do with that. Right? The first criminal scoffed at Jesus. But the second criminal had faith in Jesus. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to the first criminal, don't you even fear God when you've been sentenced to die. And in all humility and in love, I want to say that to some of you today. Because the Bible tells us that what our sins earn us is death, not just physical death, but ultimate death, which the Bible will call separation from God, eternity apart from God in a place called hell. And we all, apart from Jesus, have been sentenced to die. Hear the voice of the latter criminal saying to you today, don't you even fear God, though you've been sentenced to die. And what he said was, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's only two things you could do with Jesus today. You can scoff at Jesus or put faith in Jesus. I need to tell you that there is no neutral ground. You're sitting here because you think Jesus rose from the dead. I'm standing here to tell you that he really, actually, literally did. And you, if you're going to do it, do it. And you now being confronted with that truth of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for us and his resurrection from the dead, which validates what he did on the cross, you have got to do something with that. You can't just ignore that anymore. There were two criminals. There are two ways. There are two different people in the stadium today. There are those who will walk away from this and scoff Jesus. And there are those who will say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. I want you to know that no one in all the history of the world has ever offered to do for you what Jesus did for you in paying the price of your sins. Nobody else ever offered that. I also want to tell you that nobody else in the history of the world has ever predicted and pulled off their own resurrection from the dead. Do you know anybody that's done that? Raise your hand. No, nobody but Jesus has ever done that. Therefore, his words have validity beyond anyone else in history. Honestly, I don't care what Buddha said. I don't care what Muhammad said. I don't care what Confucius said. Because Jesus predicted and pulled off his own resurrection from the dead. So what he says has got to be true. And what he said is that I have come to give my life for you that the separation between you and God could be done away with so that your soul can finally be satisfied. You see, here's the truth. Our, our souls are restless until they find rest in God. Restless until they find rest in God. Uh, imagine the relief of that second criminal when Jesus said to him, I assure you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Because the man knew he was guilty. And a moment prior, he had nothing but despair. He only had death and pain to look forward to. And Jesus relieved him 
of all of that as he put his faith in Christ. Think, think about the weight that would have been lifted from him. He was guilty and he knew it, but he just got off because of what Jesus did for him. That's such a good feeling. I, I was recently driving home from Orange County. I had some meetings down there one evening. And when I got to Ventura, it was late at night, and I was listening to a radio station, and they were giving away some, uh, some concert tickets to an Eric Clapton concert. And, you know, they do that thing where, like, be the 90th caller and we'll give you two tickets. So I'm like, oh, snap, I'm going to win those tickets. I love Eric Clapton. Took my mom to one of his final shows, and then he came out of retirement. But I said, I got to go and see him again. So I pulled out my phone while I'm driving, and the announcer, you know, they say the numbers really quick, like, I'm like, oh, and I'm dialing the number, but it's busy, of course, but you want to be the 90th caller, so you're like, hang up, redial, hang up, redial, hang up, redial, and I'm driving with my knees, doing hang up, redial, hang up, redial, and suddenly there are these strange red lights, and I, I realized I was going really, really fast, and I was in between two lanes. <laughs> and so I got pulled over, you know, and the officer came to my door and, and, and she said, uh, wh what are you doing? And, you know, she said, you're swerving, you're going across the lanes, you're going too fast, and your phone is in your hand. And then, because of the swerving, she, she took out the flashlight and she did the test in the eyes. And I'm looking around to see if anyone from my church is driving by. I'm like, <laughs> I, was, I was busted. She looked at my license and she said, okay, Mr. Merrick, you're almost home. Drive safely on the way home. Have a good night. That felt so good. So good, because my woman, my wife, was going to open up a can on me if I got another ticket. It felt so good to be so guilty, so busted, and get off the hook. That is what Jesus has done for you. He has removed the debt of sin against God. He has removed the stain of sin on our lives and the brokenness that it brings. He has removed the weight of sin that keeps us feeling guilty and ashamed and full of regret. And he says, today, you will be with me in paradise. Now here's where I finish. Immediately when we hear that, our, our minds go to paradise. Right? We think, oh, okay, we get to go to paradise. But the operative phrase there was with me. Today you will be with me. You see, we think the circumstances determines our joy. Circumstances do not determine our joy. This is evidenced by the fact that people who have everything and the most things are often the most miserable. Jim Carrey once said, I wish that everybody could get rich and famous so they could see it isn't the answer to anything. We think that if we change our circumstances, what will suddenly have the peace and joy that we've always been lacking. That's not true. You know, the last year and a half of my life have been the worst circumstances of my life. My daughter, Daisy Love, who's here in the stands with you today, 
six years old, has been battling cancer for a year and a half. She got it one time, they found a tumor in her the size of a Nerf football in her abdomen. She barely survived that. She was declared cancer-free on May 16th of last year. By July 1, she had another tumor the size of a large grapefruit. They gave her 30% chance to live. There is no greater pain in life than facing the suffering and the death of a child. There is no greater pain. That is why when God, in a desperate move to communicate his love for you and his desire to be united with you, gave his son to suffer for you. There is no greater pain than a parent facing the death and the suffering of a child. And so the last year and a half of my life has been beyond horror as we've gone through round after round of chemotherapy and surgery after surgery with my daughter. And I found that in the midst of the horror, I have peace and I have joy. That tells me that they cannot be dependent upon circumstances because my circumstances have been bad. That tells me that they must be dependent upon something or someone else. And I want to tell you that peace and joy are dependent upon your relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. And so when he died on the cross and rose again, he paid the price for our sins and he defeated death. And in that defeat of death and ultimate death, joy is found in our being united to God. The Bible says that Jesus was declared the Son of God with power by his resurrection from the dead. The New Testament also says, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now, he commands everyone, everywhere, to repent of their sins and turn to him. I'm going to give you a chance to do that in one minute. Listen to what the Bible says. God commands everyone, everywhere, to repent of their sins and turn to him to be forgiven. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. See, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the judge. And that one day all of humanity will stand before him to give an account. And I, I just got to tell you that he's got a different standard than we do in culture. And none of us are going to do well unless Jesus Christ has taken our place on the cross and paid the price for our sins and removed the weight and the stain of that that we might have new life, forgiveness, and a relationship with God. Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then Jesus said to his audience that day, do you believe this? And now here's your moment. There were two criminals that day. There are two different people in the stadium. There are those who will scoff at what Christ has done. And there are those who will put faith in what Christ has done. One road continues to leave us empty 
and in despair and toiling for joy and satisfaction and fearing death and eternity. The other brings us into peace and joy and a settled and secure eternity in paradise with him. People whom I love, now's the time to make a decision. I'm going to ask the band to come up and they're going to begin to play a song. And you're going to decide which criminal you are because you are. I am. We are. Will you recognize the love of God today? Will your eyes be opened? Will you hear God in his love calling you into relationship? Or will you be like the criminal who scoffed and even though he faced death, nothing about it. Band's going to begin to play right now. And if you want the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite you to just make your way down and just fill up that front aisle way there. We're not allowed to have anyone on the track. You just fill up that front aisle way. And then I'll lead you in a prayer to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And I'll promise you right now that if you pray that in faith and sincerity, he absolutely will. Every sin you ever have or ever will commit, he'll make you brand new. And he'll give you a new life, an eternal life. Everything you've ever been looking for finally makes sense in God. I know it's a bold move. I know there's lots of people here. But if you stand up to make that move, you need to know that people are going to cheer you on, that they're for you. Maybe you brought a friend here today and you need to turn to your friend and say, go down with me. Maybe, maybe little kids, you, you've heard this message, guys, and, and you can say to your parents, I want to go down, and, and they'll bring you down. Maybe parents say to their kids, but now's your opportunity if you want Jesus Christ. As a band plays, if you want that, you come now. He is jealous for me. Loves like a herd. I am a tree bending 